Hey there. If I told you that I had met someone who literally saved his business using an SEO strategy and how he went from zero online sales because he was selling only wholesale to 50,000 visitors a month from his SEO efforts, you'd want to hear that story, right? I sure did. So let's hop in. I'm going to have him share it with you. We'll talk about how some of you might be able to do this too. We'll see you on the inside. Welcome to the Roadmap to 50K on Shopify. Each week, we'll take you behind the scenes of real stores where you're going to learn actionable strategies and tips that will fast track the growth and profitability of your e-commerce business. So buckle up. Welcome your host and Shopify expert, Susan Bradley. Hey, I am back with Connor Meekin of Bluebird Provisions. He is my guest on the podcast. And I have to tell you, Connor, you are the first ever person who has pitched me to be on the podcast and that I've said yes to. So ding, ding, ding. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, Susan, I'm, uh, I'm honored that I got through your, um, your strict stand <laughs> and uh, I'm happy to be here today. You have such a great story to share. And I know, you know, we're always very focused, my inner circle members for sure, but even in our wider audience, traffic is really hard. The cost of traffic is hard. Traffic is, you know, nothing happens until we get eyeballs. And so your story, even though it might not apply to every business of the people who are listening, there are some gems to take away from it. So I can't wait for you to share it. And so you have a beautiful website. It's bluebirdprovisions.com. So let's hear the backstory. Let tell tell everybody what you told me. So good. Sure. Yeah, let's do it. I'll just mention quickly it's it's actually dot co. Whoops. We don't, we don't have we don't have the dot com, so I'll just mention quickly. Uh anyways, so our backstory. I started this company a few years ago now in 20 early 2019, late 2018. And the original impetus is I'm a long distance runner. I run these crazy ultra marathons. And and as most runners, you probably know, they get injured a lot. And I certainly did as well. I had a very strange, unorthodox injury that there's not a lot of precedent for in Western medicine. Uh, I ripped a bunch of tendons on my foot and um, being frustrated with with Western medicine and, and having doctors tell me I would never run again. I started looking at more natural ways of eating and healing the body through food, um, kind of the whole methodology. And one of the things I found was bone broth, particularly because it's high in collagen and gelatin and all these, you know, proteins that we don't typically get in our Western diet. And I noticed, um, first I started looking around to see if anyone was selling it. No one really was, or a few companies in the U S no one at the time in Canada where I'm based out of. And I started drinking it, making it, giving it to friends. I noticed my 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 foot started healing. Now, obviously, it it wasn't only the bone broth. I was doing all sorts of different things, but for better or for worse, I just became very attached to it and just so passionate about sharing bone broth. You know, I started looking at how to make it and how to scale it and how to sell it. So, we started selling it in you know mom and pop grocery stores. Eventually, got into larger grocery chains like Whole Foods, which was really great for us. But now the big issue was, you know, we're doing, we're doing okay in grocery stores. Um, the quick thing I'll say is it was difficult for us to sell online at the time because it was a liquid product that we sold frozen. So it's expensive to ship. 
trying to ship with insulated shipping materials was just so costly. So the margins didn't work at the time. Now we're doing, we're doing okay in Whole Foods and grocery stores, but when COVID hit in 2020, um, some categories of foods and grocery stores did well and some tanked and, and being in the frozen food section where people don't really venture out outside of their norms when they're just in, in the store to get the essentials and get out, which was what was happening during COVID. Our sales stalled. We were just so flat. We were down. Some stores couldn't get staff to restock shelves at the time. It was just like hysteria. And, and I just felt helpless. We couldn't, we couldn't do anything. And I just saw my business like dying before my eyes. And I was just like depressed and just devastated and not quite sure what to do. And that's when I realized, hey, um, if we're going to go down, I mean, I'm, we're going to go down swinging and I'm going to give this online thing a try again. So throughout the summer of 2020, I guess it was, I educated myself on kind of a few options for how we could get some traffic and how we could retrofit our business online because I didn't really have any other lifelines at the time. We were, you know, had a couple hundred bucks left in the bank account and we were, we were on our way to bankruptcy. So mm, there's fun. Yeah, a lot of a lot of stress, a lot of sleepless nights. Um and it's been um yeah, it's been it's it's good now, but it's uh, certainly getting the ship turned around and and learning some online strategies and kind of getting away from the retail wholesale side of our business. Yeah, it really took, you know, a year, 18 months and and it, you know, now now we're doing well, but it was difficult. So, so let's contrast. So that was started in March 2020. We all remember where we were, I'm sure. And, and so really it's, as we're recording this, it's really just two years, even though it was like two long twisting in the wind, painful years. Uh, it's really not long in the history of a business, but so at the time that this happened, your sales were pretty much a hundred percent, uh, to groceries in the grocery. That's right. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And so now you're, I know you're doing well. We share, you shared with me how well you're doing and what percentage of your sales are in the grocery store now. Now it's about 25%. Wow. So you shifted. Did you, have you recovered? Have you gotten back to the sales volume that you were in 2020? We actually have, yeah. So, so finally, Q4 of last year, we started to match, and we were up about five percent on 2020 numbers. Sorry, 2019 numbers, and now we are, yeah, we're kind of back on track with with 2019 numbers. And there's even, yeah, some months we're even ahead of that in retail. So everything's gradually bounced back. Okay. But I think, I, I think the reason I, yeah, the reason I mentioned this is all the, I would attribute that to our online efforts as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's more profitable for almost all of us. Would you say that's the case for you too? Those sales are more profitable? For retail or online? Online. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Re re retail. I know we chatted earlier about this. I mean, everyone, everyone seems to be making money, but the actual brand right? and the vendor. Yeah. We so. had some sob stories to trade, I think, because you know, way back in the day, we squeak was mostly a wholesale business too. And it's you really are the person that has the least control over the outcome. And so it's difficult. But let's go back to that. So you've uh, transformed this business in the period of two years. It wasn't easy. But what I heard your story, I thought, wow, you took a really methodical approach to this. And you didn't have any options because you you would have to go into more debt or 
how like you didn't have the money to be like throwing at Facebook ads or Google ads. So you had to do this organically. So can you kind of uh, take us back to when the when you thought, okay, I'm just going to try some SEO. <laughs> what were the first steps? Like what are walk us through those first steps? What did you do? Sure. So yeah, in the summer of 2020, I Get, got these some plans into place and and did did some some rough planning on exactly what I would need to put a game plan together and execute as quickly as possible. So step one was to retrofit our website to you know make sure it was good for Shopify and be able to collect payments, uh, be able to fulfill things, figure out how we can fulfill our frozen bone broth because there's a lot of hurdles there with distribution online. And, and with that, we. You know, did the things that most people do when they start out, get a new theme, figure out what themes work for e-commerce based on what you want to do, figuring out kind of the bare bones tech stack in terms of like add-ons and apps and those types of things. You know, I'm sure everyone's familiar with like, you know, the email marketing software providers and, you know, um, recurring revenue uh, subscription software providers and kind of all all the basics and, and, and things to kind of get you looking legitimate and getting reviews and all that kind of fun stuff. So... Once we had that figured out, I obviously we need traffic. You know, uh, if you build it, they will certainly not come. So <laughs> I, uh, being being the 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 kind of uh, like bootstrapped mindset that I've had this whole business, and the idea that we certainly had no money to spend, I was like, okay, what's relatively cheap or free? Well, a lot of these people that are talking about SEO, that is free, but 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 the caveat is that it takes time. So. It was it was tricky. I didn't have a lot of time, but I also didn't have money to spend on Facebook ads, um, which is what most people were doing at the time. So started just diving deep diving into SEO, kind of learning exactly how I can get some traffic quickly that hopefully converts, and and learning about things like buyer intent and the different stages of the funnel. You're going to find people who are you know searching on Google and different search engines who might find you. Now, before we get more into SEO, the other two quick things I'll mention is along with SEO, because it takes time, I was trying to find a way to get some sales in the door right away. So that kind of led me to learning a little bit about how some companies are utilizing referrals. And yeah, referrals are interesting. You don't need a whole lot of fancy software to get started. You just have to ask in a, in a nice way and find... Yeah, not, not like clever, but just just find those right social triggers and and timing is really important for referrals. So that that was able we were able to, you know, take our existing email list of customers we'd kind of had just sitting in the background there on an old, you know, MailChimp list and and started, you know, marketing to them with some email marketing and asking them for referrals and hey, who do you who do you want to, you know, give some bone broth to, you know, that type of thing, learning that and then all in the back end I was frantically researching SEO and and making sure our website was indexed for the right keywords and and then just writing long form articles which I'm sure we'll 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 get into a bit later. Yeah. So so to get some quick sales you went to your existing clients even though you had to dust them off and you said, "Hey, how can we refer?" Was it an offer, like something that you could say, this is what we can do for you if you can share this with your friends? Was it that kind of deal? It, exactly. Yeah. I kind of like to give, you know, give yeah. one, get one type thing. So, yeah. you know, we were trying to figure out, I was looking at what some friend, friends' businesses were paying to acquire customers. And I would basically just take a similar acquisition cost and split that between the discount the referee would get and the discount the referrer would get. Perfect. And so that got you enough cash to keep the ship afloat. Just, just barely. <laughs> barely. Yeah. 
Just barely. And so the other smart thing that I think you did, and we should mention it, is you came up with a powdered bone broth, right? Yeah, exactly. That's kind of the other missing piece. So while I was executing and trying to just, you know, keep the lights on, I was trying to sort of plan ahead and and figure out how we could almost like reverse engineer a direct consumer friendly product for our business. And I think that's, I'd say this is almost like one of the main take-home tips is if your company doesn't have, you know, products that are cost-effective for shipping and and small um, and high price, you should probably find a way to like develop one. You know, a lot of companies are getting creative with this and um, every company is different. So I don't have any specifics for you, but but we decided to find a way to dehydrate our heavy liquid products into a powdered version that obviously cutting out all the water. So that's all the weight. Um, you're cutting out a lot of the size as well. So basically I figured out exactly what size and dimensions the package needed to be in order to get you know the priority postage rates yeah. of a lot of the, the main carriers. Yeah. So, so you did that. So you solved your biggest barrier to scaling online. Yeah. I would say the other, the other big barrier is, so we are based out of Canada and bone broth is considered a meat product and it's heavily regulated in terms of export, exporting to the U S even exporting across provinces or States. It's quite heavily regulated. So the other big piece of that was finding a way to get our products sold in the U S. So so I was developing the product, the new the new product line, and finding a way to get our product sold in the U.S. Kind of all in the background while I was trying to bring in these initial sales to keep to keep everything going. Uh, oh, that all, sounds and, stressful. <laughs> all of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like you know we all want to do the marketing and the fun stuff, but uh, sometimes you just got to get into some spreadsheets and uh, pick up the phone a lot and figure out how you can make things happen. So good. Okay, so let's get to the SEO stuff because you are currently driving 50,000 web visitors a month organically, which is a really amazing. So when you decided, okay, I have to write some long form copy, what was your strategy? Like what were the steps that you took when you did that? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of people with SEO and 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 product-based businesses, really any business that does SEO, that you know, the whole thing is to write these long uh, they call them like a lot of people call them like skyscraper pieces of content. And the, the analogy is that, hey, if, if a city has a, a big skyscraper, you want to go and build a skyscraper that's just a little bit taller, a little bit better than that existing skyscraper. And to bring that analogy back to content, you want a, a piece of content that is a little bit longer, a little bit better researched, helps answer customer questions a little bit better than the existing piece of content that ranks number one on Google. So the idea is, hey, you know, we need to make a content piece of content that's so good that it's going to rank at hopefully number one, ideally in the top, you know, two or three, because it's really like a winner take all approach to traffic and getting click throughs and and all of those types of things. So we had some leading indicators that would lead me to believe that this strategy would work. I'd written a couple of basic blog posts when we started our website and company with like what everybody does, they don't want to see an empty blog. So I wrote a few things and uh, looking at Google analytics, I realized, you know, a few of them were getting a little bit of organic traffic. I think I wrote a blog post about collagen and a blog post about the difference between stock and bone broth. And um, yeah, I realized they were getting traffic. So, you know, I was like, okay, well, how do we find other keywords like these? How do we just start putting a process and a, and a plan in place and kind of like a, a templated version where I can hopefully yeah. repeat these ones that are already doing well 
and find ways to write them quickly and concisely and kind of churn them out and really like operationalize the the long form content. And it's taken me a while to figure out how to operationalize. Like that last point's really difficult, but uh, I would say for 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 listeners, like if you don't have a couple of long pieces of content, I would experiment with them for your 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 basic keywords, whether it's like benefits for your product or those are kind of the easiest ones to write. Um, and just kind of see see what see what companies like Bluebird Provisions is doing in terms of these long form contents. You can look at our blog and see exactly what we're doing, and, and hopefully kind of get some tips and replicate yeah. it for for your website. Okay, so let me go back for a minute because I know people have questions as you're speaking. And so one of the things you did was you uh, you use the keywords in a search, found out, out who is ranking really high and what their long form content looked like, and then you tried to do something that was even more helpful and bigger, like a meatier package than what that uh, top rated content was. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And, and for listeners, um, if you have a Google ads account, um, you know, you can register them for free. Um, Go to the Google uh, it's, it's in the ads. It's in one of the, um, Sorry, my mind's blanking, but there's like a Google search keyword tool yeah, that's free. Keyword tool, keyword planning. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. That that's that's what I used getting started, and that's frankly what I still use a lot today. So you don't need a lot of expensive software to get started. Yeah, and that <clears throat> excuse me, that planning tool will tell you how many monthly searches there are for the keywords for those of you that are listening. So you already you gave yourself the advantage of like I'm not just going to sit here and write for the sake of writing. I'm going to figure out what it is that people want to uh, learn about and what they're searching for now, see what my com- my competition is doing, and then make mine better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the idea there is you're going to go to your keyword tool. Hopefully, there is a little bit of existing traffic for the keywords you want to write about. And then you're going to Google that keyword yourself, and you're going to look at the, I would say, the top Top three is probably a good place to start. Scan those articles, look at a lot of the, they call it in SEO, like the H2s and the H1s and the H3s. So these are all like the headers that you find in this blog post. And you're going to want to produce a blog post that at the very least has the same amount of sections and headers and one that hopefully you know answers customer questions better than the existing ones. So you know, a lot of people say... You know, you have to have X amount of words, like two thousand words. It doesn't necessarily have to be that long. It, it the idea is to to hopefully match or outpace what is currently ranking. So if there's articles that rank, you know, with a thousand words, then you certainly don't need one that's two thousand words. So interesting. So you created that one guy skyscraper. That's what you called it. That one yeah. skyscraper. And then what did you do? Yes. Yeah, so this is where things I would say, like some of the low hanging fruit is maybe a little bit different than what people would expect. So you have your skyscraper piece of content. Now, now with that, you, you're ideally, if you have the time and resources, you want to support that piece of content with some shorter articles that can be, you know, 500 words, X amount of words. And these are like supporting um, pieces of content and articles for the skyscraper. So the important thing here that, you know, the SEO people call this a content cluster. And the idea is you're going to pick your main piece of content, which is the skyscraper content, and you're going to cluster some you know, smaller buildings around this piece of content. And the idea is that you are going to link these little shorter articles directly to the skyscraper article. 
but not the other way around. You're not going to link the skyscraper article to the shorter articles. And the reason you do this is because you want to send Google a signal that the skyscraper piece of content is is the highest priority for our dom- domain and for our website. And you do that by sending lots of um, backlinks from other places on your website to the skyscraper piece of content. Oh my gosh. You must have uh, been up like burning the midnight oil to figure this stuff out. That's amazing. So then these little articles that you wrote, they're, they're actually not going deeper on the overarching article. They're just maybe taking a piece of that article and going a little bit deeper. Is that exactly, exactly. Just take one of your H2s or one of your heading sections, um, almost like make that the title of one of your little cluster articles. And just frankly, just answer the question, um, rephrase maybe what's in your skyscraper piece and, and elaborate a little bit. Doesn't have to be long and and get the backlink there to your skyscraper piece yeah. so people are pointed there and and you're almost all the way there. So you need you need a few of these for each skyscraper piece. Ideally, you know, some SEO people say you need like you know 15 to 20 per article. I I don't do that. You know, you could probably have a few. Um, okay. So you're telling me you have more than one skyscraper piece now. I have a lot of skyscrapers now and. Yeah, if, if anyone looks at our blog, they're going to see a lot of long form articles. So we, I do it. I do it a tiny bit different than some of the SEO people. Like we have more skyscrapers with less supporting articles than people would say. But again, it seems to it seems to work well for us. And and also, I, I mentioned. I know we were chatting earlier. There are other ways that you can tell Google to prioritize a skyscraper article. For example, what what we're doing and experimenting with is linking our most important article that that we want to tell Google is is the highest priority. We're linking our that in our homepage and that seems to do really well. Yeah, so many things I would love to to ask you about, but let me just make sure that we're clear for everyone who's listening. So, one giant piece of content, you talked about the process to figure out the what and the how for that and and then some supporting articles to break out the important like the big rocks from your skyscraper, right? Yep. Supporting articles. And then what would the third step be? Would it be to create a new skyscraper or is there something else you need to do? I would say those are the the two main things. I th- I think I think some people miss the boat here when they don't have the the right content and and formatting in their skyscraper piece of content. So, you know, you're going to need lots of images. You ideally want some sort of infographic in that piece of content. You want to use a website called Answer the Public and enter your keyword in there. And that is going to help you find common questions that people type into search engines around your keyword. So I think it's really, really just about formatting the content and and making sure it's presented in a in a readable and digestible way. And let's be honest here. You didn't get this, like you didn't hit a home run the first time you tried this, right? No, no. Even still, like I, I, I bang my head against the wall because I like, you know, you spend some time writing this article and you like, you look around a few months later and it's crickets. So you don't really know what's going to hit until you do it really. So it's, 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 it's not a perfect science. That's for sure. But if you have no money in the bank and you need to get your business off the ground and you have a product that people are want information about, it's the perfect scenario. That's like the perfect storm for you. So that, those are kind of the three steps people would take. Skyscraper, supporting articles, perfect the skyscraper. Yeah. So sorry to go out of order here. I would say to, to, 
some housekeeping to make sure your your website is in order and hopefully mm-hmm. ranking for your target keywords. You really want to make sure that your fundamentals for people call it on-page SEO are you know properly executed. So some people use apps in the Shopify app store for that. And there are simple apps that kind of just you type in, hey, here's our target keyword. So for us, it's bone broth. And this um, these apps are going to be like, okay, here's uh, what the keywords need to be for your collection pages, for your specific product pages, and for your homepage. And that's kind of like a foolproof way to just make sure that your house is in order from a from yeah. an SEO perspective. Yeah. We've actually just... Uh, so April is SEO month in the inner circle. And... So we, we've actually just created some pretty basic, like here, here's how you dot your I's and cross your T's for SEO. But that's a really good point. You want to make sure that you do that too. So, so let's talk really quickly about conversion and what you do with all this traffic. So my big question is, do you have like a slide in or something, getting people to opt in for some free download or what? what's your strategy once you've got that captive audience on your article? I've tried pretty much every offer under the sun to convert our traffic. You know, you hear some e-commerce people say that if you're not converting, you know, five to 10% of total traffic to an email subscriber, you know, you have a problem with your offer and I would say for cold SEO traffic, the conversion rate is going to be lower. So we're converting two and a half to three percent of all traffic into email subscribers. Um, that's really average. Yeah, maybe. It, yeah, yeah. So you know, I think I think we're doing okay, and that's with all the experimenting I'm doing. So I've experimented with you know content upgrades, giving away eBooks and recipe books and those types of things. But the best the best offer that converts the best for us is. In exchange for for the guest's email, they get entered into uh, sweepstakes where the winner will win one month supply of free bone broth. And I think the giveaways are just enticing. It's 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 yeah. inflicts a lot of curiosity and emotions in people. And yeah. the great thing the great thing about that is then they're going to check their email when you uh, announce the winners. So that's going to give you good engagement scores for your email service providers and get your open rates up. So there's a lot of good things. And do about you that do strategy. like you do? Well, you didn't win, but here's an offer. We, yeah, we, do, we call it yeah. a good news, bad news. In the yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so good. Okay. So you're getting two to 3% of these people on your email list. And so your email list is growing just based on the amount of traffic that is kind of high interest traffic that comes to your site. And you told me a fact that I think is really interesting. And it was about conversion rates on this traffic because Somewhere out there listening, somebody's going, yeah, but is it all bouncing all over the place? <laughs> like what, what happens with that traffic? And I thought that, that your number was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's another thing we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to do better. And right now, depending on the country, our conversion rate for like cold SEO-based traffic is uh, 0.3 to 0.5%. So... It's okay. Yeah. I'm trying to find ways to improve it. Now, I will say that we mentioned like the email capture and the prioritizing that in the content. We're also trying to get sales directly off the content as well. So I'm not shy about almost like putting a lot of like, I don't know what you call them, like interstitials throughout the articles that are just like JPEG images with like buttons on them that say like, here, try our bone broth. You know, we've tried the Shopify buy button that doesn't seem to convert very well for us. So just having these images that really like disrupt the reader's experience and hopefully entice them to, to shop or buy something. 
seemed to, to work a little bit better. And I got this idea from the website Masterclass. Because if you ever watch a Masterclass, they just hit you with so many of these yeah. interstitial ads and they do a really good job. So cool. I see their ads all the time in the Facebook feed as well. So they, yeah, they're spending some money for sure. So, so one of the things I just wanted to mention, like I hope that the people who are listening to this take the time to go check out your website, because one of the things I, you mentioned it briefly, but I just want to shine a light on it is that you have a new article and I'm just going to hop on over to your website. It's called the six top bone broths for 2022, an in-depth look at the best six bone broths across the USA. Read the review. I think it's genius. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit of a, a technique not many people use. So these, these, these buying guide type articles are really good for a few reasons. They, they convert really well. They allow you to, you know, steal some of the traffic of your competitors because you're like, you know, you're not, you're not linking to your competitors, but you're mentioning them in the article. So that's going to send, you know, Google some signals, even when someone Googles your competitor, hopefully this article might rank uh, in such a way that you're going to get some of that traffic. Now there's kind of a right way and a wrong way to do these. You know, you want to have, obviously want to have your, your product or service in this buying guide somewhere. So if you look at ours, uh, the first option that you see is our product linked at the very top, you know, with, with arrows pointing to it. Um, and some people think this is kind of disingenuous, but you know, I wrote the article and, uh, you know, for me, I think I'm an, I'm an expert on bone broth and I think we have the best product. So obviously I'm going to link to yeah. it. And I think people are okay. If, if you kind of like put a little caveat somewhere in the article, we, we do that with a lot of our buying guide articles. Like, Hey, you know, you might think we're biased because we have a bone broth company and you're reading this, but uh, here's a few reasons why we're not. And, yeah. Uh, and you did a great job of explaining to me because I'm like, wow, this article carries a lot of authority. Like, good for you. This is like Forbes top 10 or you know, something like that. Yeah, yeah. 100. But but I said, how do you decide who to rank on there? And then you told me about all the research you did. So that validates your, like, I'm sure you expressed that in the article. So it really kind of backs up your credibility. Yeah, I agree. And and if you are going to do buying guide type articles, I think it also behooves you to try to be as objective as possible. You know, yeah. while obviously you're going to be somewhat subjective for us in the nutrition and the food space, a lot of the objective data that I really focus on are nutrition facts, ingredient lists, sourcing, where it, how it gets there. And we actually do look at some third-party reviews to kind of just give the, the reader a sense of the feedback for certain so products. Good. So I really appreciate everything that you're sharing, Connor. And I, I really hope people do go look because everything on your site is very well done. Really, really good. And and really, you don't have a, heart, a large product catalog, but you sure have a great site. And so I, I think about businesses that could really benefit from this. And so let's say I owned, say, a skincare business. How would you get started? How would I get started with that? And I'm putting you on the spot totally. So everybody, if he takes a minute, it's okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I could definitely share on that because there's a couple of skincare brands that I actually follow quite closely, even though I don't use skincare products. I admire the way they market because it is such a competitive niche. You have to be yes. very slick at your marketing. And there's a few companies that do it very well. So I would say the first thing you want to do is invest in some sort of quiz. 
on and promote the hell out of this quiz on your homepage, landing page with pop-ups everywhere. Uh, this should ideally be your main offer to get email addresses and you can call it the skin quiz. You can, you know, use different software for this. Oh yeah. And yeah. You can really use anything, but, but the beauty of it is that you can tag these guests or customers based on their skin quiz results yep. in your email service provider and give them custom tailored content for, you know, a skin routine exactly on what they need. So if they filled out that, that, Hey, I have dry skin, you know, I'm over 40, I'm a female, you can easily market the perfect product to them. So yeah, skin, I would say, I would say some sort of quiz, I would say some long form content. I would say a lot of, um, buying guides. I would, I would invest in like five to 10 buying guides. So I'm type just articles. Ask you, so when you, when I think about this, cause many of our people, our skincare companies would use a quiz and I think you're dead right on that, but I'm just going to ask you, like when you uh, had a, if you have a company like that, that has a much larger product catalog than you have, would you choose one or two top products and invest your SEO strategy around those, you know, frequently like those, those products that serve uh, or solve either a really niched problem or something that is broader? Like, would you choose one or two products to focus on and make yeah. them? The front door, absolutely. Particularly if you have a higher margin product that that sell, that already has some juice behind it and sells well, I think um, investing in that would would be great. Yeah, I, I was talking about talking about the buying guides, and and if you do have one or two products that you can prioritize, I think it really behooves you to focus your your skyscraper content going back to SEO and and these articles on like one or two categories. So for you, that could be one or two products before you move on to the next one, right? Um, yeah, and really just getting your house in order there. Kind of put all your hit that nail 10 times before you hit 10. Like I think that's what gets people discouraged. If they try and, you know, hit 10 nails one time each and they can't see any any movement, it's better to I it seems to me most of the time it's better to focus your efforts on less. Yeah, absolutely. And and particularly with like what you're linking to from your homepage too. I, th- I think like focusing on these one or two products that hopefully are higher margin and and make you more money, definitely prioritize those. So good. So listen, I, I just want to thank you so much for all that you've shared. You've been really transparent and that's helpful for everyone who's listening. Because if we, we <laughs> that's one of the things I, I said to uh, Beth, my assistant who forwarded me your request. And I said, oh, I think this is really interesting. Let's get him on a Zoom call and see if he's a bro or if he's real. <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife will get a kick out of this when I, when I tell her that. It's true. That's exactly what happened. And, and uh, I think you just shared so much so well, and you're so approachable and smart and have a lot of great ideas. So I want to thank you for that. But what I also want to know is what's next for Bluebird Provisions? What's on your agenda? So we are, as you mentioned, we have a limited product catalog, particularly in the U.S. Believe it or not, we only have one product that we can sell to U.S.-based shoppers. And uh, it gets pretty boring for customers if they fill out a quiz and there's only one result. So we are (laughs) (laughs) working very hard at developing some new products and we'll have a new one hopefully for release in the summer of 2022. But yeah, I mean, as anyone knows, developing new uh, innovative products is really difficult. I really don't want to just do like another me too product. Um, right. So 
yeah, we're uh, we're having some trouble developing the product I want, but we're going to get there soon. So, um, and and then in the meantime, just tripling down on SEO and, and growing our traffic. We're we're probably going to hit a hundred thousand uh, uniques by the end of the year here per month. Wow! And so I see another skyscraper piece of content in your future when you launch the product. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, absolutely. I I think um, I better get to work on it now. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, it starts to rank in time. <laughs> You, are you using any VAs at all to help you or using software? What are you doing to, cause I know you I am, a lot of content. Yeah. So, so I am using, um, someone on Upwork who does some writing for me and I think, yeah, just, just the quick take home for people is you, you can find good writers on Upwork that are pretty cost-effective. The key there is that you need to give them an outline before they start or else you just don't really know what you're going to get. So hopefully you can do the research, you can produce an outline. And by outline, I mean, um, you know, like a title, what the URL slug is going to be, the keywords you want to go after, and hopefully like between 10 to 20 sections, which are going to be your like H2s and H3s. And if you give a writer all that info, they're going to be able to fill it in, hopefully. And then you just well. have to kind of go through and make small edits. And exactly. Yeah, I end up doing a lot of editing, reading what our what what the writers are submitting, and you might not find the right writer the first time. That's okay. Yeah. I think you want a, one that you can establish a relationship with. Let's so. be honest. Whoever gets it right the first time, not me. No, nobody does. Me. That's the way we learn. So good. So, listen. Where can people connect with you? Where Where should they come say hi? Yeah, I would say just bluebirdprovisions.co. If you want to see what we're doing, you can poke around. I am pretty much everywhere in our emails. So if you want to subscribe and get a note from me, you can. If not, you can uh, also email me, Connor at bluebirdprovisions.co. Happy to chat about uh, any of the things that we we mentioned here and kind of help out where I can. If anyone is curious about bone broth and you live in Canada or the US, go to our website as well. Have a look. If anyone does want to try some, uh, I'll set up a code, Susan, just all one word. Um, You'll get a you'll get a you'll get a nice discount. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. That wasn't that was a surprise to me. That's so nice. So uh, so listen, I think everyone should go look just because it's pretty amazing your site. Uh, but thank you so much, and I just want to share with you that uh, share with the people who can't see you now. Connor has better podcasting gear than Susan Bradley, so maybe we'll hear from him more when he starts a podcast one day. Yikes, who knows? But it's a lot of pressure coming from you, Susan. So uh, hopefully I'll have to deliver if I do uh, start something. Oh, thanks again. I want to hear from you again. I'd love it if you touch base with me. So there you go, gang. Take this away. Think about, even think about what you could do to get started. You need to cover your basics. Think about a skyscraper piece of copy. What a, a cool word. So good. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Susan. Take care. You too. Hey, listen, if you like what we're working on here at the Roadmap to 50K and it's helping you get clarity on your next steps, I think you really have to check out our inner circle. You know, it is just an amazing place to learn how to build your business the right way. And you get to do it with a wonderful group of store owners that support each other and will cheer you on. You know, in the inner circle, our only purpose is to help our members get results And because of that, we actually have dedicated coaches that are fully trained and available to work one-on-one with you. And we offer that to our members at crazy affordable prices, because I know that sometimes you just need a little extra help 
to get past a roadblock so that you can move on and make progress again. So if this sounds good to you, I want you to head on over to the socialsalesgirls.com forward slash inner dash circle and get on the wait list. We will send you a lesson so that you can see what's waiting for you on the inside. And we'll also invite you to join us the next time we are open to take new members. So listen, friends, that's all. Thank you so much for spending your time with me and I will see you next week.